Welcome to Foot Guns. It is June 9th. It's me, Wasabi Boat Research, talking with Hal. What's going on, dude? Oh, not much. Just uh, actually, the power on the entire island went out today. So, spent a little bit of time outside, um, did some foot guns riding under the sun. It was pretty nice. Uh, but now I'm back inside. This is this <laughs> is the new gone. normal, right? Energy crises, electricity, Mad Max, civilization breaking down. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out, like, I don't know, because, you know, we have, like, backup uh, signals and telegrams. Like, maybe we need to just, you know, get a P.O. box that we can all mail each other if uh, <laughs> something goes wrong. So it's been, like, a week or two since we recorded, and I think the last thing we talked about was you telling me not to short Ethereum, and so I went and shorted Ethereum, and I've been sitting on it literally for, like, two weeks. I think I've been up. I've been down 40%. I've been up 10%. I think I'm down 7% as we're sitting here. But I'm just going to ride this this puppy. Well, you're you're um you're long, right? Like you have you you're still spot long something, right? Or you're just like I still, you know what? I have some uh this shared stake Ethereum that I literally can't sell. It's completely liquid, so I'm yeah, stuck in yeah. that till the merge. So yeah, I'm trying to hedge that. I think, you know, yeah, this, then then the short makes a lot of sense because it's not like you're just like naked short, uh, you know, Ethereum. Um, you're just trying to protect what you already own against more downside, right? Yeah, but I don't know. I'm starting to think, I don't know. Are we at the point where it makes sense to start dollar cost averaging a little bit for some more of like a long term uh, hodl stack? But I don't know. I'm not. I'm not ready to have that conversation yet. Yeah, I think. Um, for long-term hodl stack, I don't know. What I'm looking for is like I really want this trade back to thirty-seven thousand, and you know, I mean, Bitcoin has been stuck between twenty-eight point five k and you know, basically like thirty k or thirty-one k since uh, May 9th. So, you know, I mean, it's very obvious that in everyone's mind. I mean, who knows? Maybe Bitcoin stays between twenty-eight point five k and thirty k for the next two years. Um, but I think it's pretty obvious in everyone's mind that it's going to go one way or the other, right? It's going to go back down into the low 20s or it's going to come back up into the high 30s. And I don't know, I'm I'm thinking that the way to play it is, you know, look for any weakness and buy that weakness. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I like to do is like look at the daily candles and you know, for instance, like on on May twelfth, um, Bitcoin ran down to twenty three k or twenty four k, and then all the way back up again in a single day, and then closed like back in the range. So I I would just look for a candle that closes out of the range. And so far, the only candles that you know are fake closing above the range are on the upside. So um, I don't know. I just it just feels like to me that maybe it's got legs to the upside. I would not be surprised if there was another uh, wick down underneath 28.5K that could, you know, maybe even go as far as um, 25K or something like that. But, you know, that's when I, if I was short, I would be a seller there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be greedy and expect um, that to hold. Um, however, I don't know. It just comes on like what happens on that day, right? Like, does Bitcoin go down with the stock market and some Fed news or something like that? Or is Bitcoin just randomly going down one day? So if it randomly goes down, I would, I would probably buy it. And otherwise, yeah, maybe maybe just like be a little bit um, slow about exiting your short. 
Um, but I don't know. I, I don't think we're going to go outside of 20 and above 40 anytime soon. Let me ask you this. So this is like something I've been thinking about. And I was listening to a podcast with uh, this guy who is a big bear on micro strategy. I think he's generally like a crypto bear. But his point was like, okay, um, Bitcoin, the reason that it pumps so hard is because of this inelastic supply, right? Like there's a fixed curve and for every incremental step up that um, demand curve, you know, it's getting it's getting steeper because there's no more supply and that supply is like always going down. Um, but the point he was making is that like this also works in reverse. So like when the tide is going out, when liquidity is coming out of the market, like that curve, like if it's if if it is this inelastic curve on the upside, like it's that inelastic on the downside, too. And so that's why it can just like fall so hard. And his point was like, consider what happened with like the Doquan Terra blow up like how much Bitcoin was sold during that, right? Like they'd use Bitcoin as, as a way to, to, um, 80,000 Bitcoin. 80, and so that was like what, you know, less than 1% of the total Bitcoin supply. And that, you know, pumped down to like 20 or 25% over that, over that time period. So it's like, for, do you have an, an idea of how much incremental, um, selling, will move the price like do you really think it's this you know 80,000 bitcoin being sold is a 25 or 20% decline in the price and what i'm of course referring to is our conversation with uh or our twitter thing with uh Thomas Brazil cuz like he's you know got all these mount gox claims and this is something that's been a topic on like crypto twitter over the years that this has been like dripping out right like oh this mount gox supply is going to hit the market and um you know for a long time i was like okay this is not this is just kind of like a bullshit reason to be to worry. But like now that it, it, if if this like inelasticity of um, demand cutting both ways and like the the case that we saw with the uh, with the Terra sell and how much that impacted the market, like, do you buy that this is a, like a material downside risk? If this if these coins do hit the market, if this this much supply goes goes uh, goes into the sell button, not not really. And. I don't know. I'm starting to get this like new view on Bitcoin. I don't know if you had a chance to read the article that I put out last Saturday about like how Bitcoin is, you know, lives inside of these. It's like money in these in these messages. Right. And I just think it's kind of it's starting to play out where, okay, well, the Federal Reserve controls the money supply. Right. Well, they also like, you know, well, okay. so how does Bitcoin work if it has a fix, if it has a fixed supply? The, The only way to control the money is by controlling um, the price, right? So the buying and selling it. And so it's it just like, it's starting to feel to me like, well, okay, these central bankers actually can, It's especially the US central bank and, and maybe the, the European central bank, like the, the big ones can actually like, you know, maybe have an impact and control the Bitcoin price. So I do feel like, um, you know, there's these funds out there that are just like waiting for what they consider to be like cheap Bitcoin. And they're probably doing the same thing that, um, people that discount, um, you know, stocks, um, future cash flows are doing, which is they're looking at um, what the Federal Reserve is doing. And there's, you know, adjusting the Bitcoin price based on interest rates or, or lack of interest rates or fiscal policy, monetary policy. So, yeah, it does seem it's it seems to me like uh, this is just like bullish for Bitcoin in the sense that Bitcoin is responding in a more proper way to monetary policy. And I guess there's like an argument for 
Um, Bitcoin also re- responding in this way in 2017 when it had that that blow off top. Um, so yeah, I feel like if the Mt. Gox coins were to come on to market, sure, maybe it takes the price down a bit or whatever. But I think like you would find a bottom pretty quickly with with some hungry people trying to get keep cheap coins, you know. So you so it's the uh, Bitcoin's moving from weak hands to strong hands view rather than the elevator. Goes yeah, up except for I don't. I don't even like that, like weak hands to strong hands thing, because um, you're starting to like sound Bitcoin, like an on chain analyst here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if if um, if you know if Bitcoin is becoming a money, then like, okay, well, you call this person weak handed. It's like, well, they held Bitcoin for four years and now they're cashing out, right? Like that's that's not weak handed. That's they're they're playing a part in in monetary policy, right? Like they in their mind, Bitcoin is over. Um, price or maybe they're just under some pressure right like from you know fed policy or, or stock market selling off and something like that so um yeah I, I and and the strong hands uh i mean those are just people that like bitcoin right and they and they are spending a lot of time trying to find a proper valuation for it and so they they see it as underpriced the other person sees it as overpriced or maybe they're in a stressful situation where they need to get rid of it so i mean yeah it's weak-handed but like i don't know i feel like that's offensive like there's just people out there that you know if it's gonna work like you gotta let people sell it and you gotta have people that are willing to buy it all right well well let's talk about let's go let's go to the cheat sheet with ethereum because um you know I, I changed the cheat sheet a little while ago, adding these like arrows. Um, I got a lot of feedback from people. You know, the reason we use the the pink, blue, and orange is so that people that are colorblind can understand what these colors are and, and see the difference between them. But it's not like super intuitive that the pink means down and the blue means up and the orange means sideways. So we added these arrows and then we were able to actually really increase the amount of information that's on the cheat sheet by adding these like three columns with the arrows. So what it's doing is showing you what Bitcoin did for the last three days, for the last three weeks, for the last three months. And so let's go to Ethereum, right? Like the cheat sheet is like, okay, we had uh, three days ago, right? There was some attempt at moving upwards. Like the air, you know, we were neutral, but the arrow started going up and then it just said, no, never mind. Let's just go sideways. So for the last two days, it's just been going sideways on the weekly it was going down, but we still didn't give it like a full down arrow because we didn't see um, the signal we wanted to see that was like going to send Ethereum to 1500. You know, this was um, when around the time, you know, you and I and Boomer had that conversation about your Ethereum short. Um, And ever since then, you can see the weekly has just been trying really, really hard to bend from bearish to neutral. Um, going from neutral to um, you know this neutral bearish to to fully neutral now this this week, um, and what that means is like we just don't really expect Ethereum to go somewhere. Like you know we sort of just expect it to just trade in a range. Um, however, when you look at the monthly, you know for two months we were we were going down in a neutral way, meaning like you know just like a sort of slow steady sell off. And then last month we had a you know a pretty big sell, but we still didn't see the signal um, that was you know going to push us down below fifteen hundred, and so that's why it's bearish, but with a um, you know slightly sideways downward arrow. Um, so for me, if I was you and I was in this short, um, if the weekly flips bullish next week, 
I would consider just cutting your losses on the short. Not that like the short won't work, but there's going to be another entry, right? There's going to be a better entry at a higher price. Um, and that, you know, and then how do you know whether or not the weekly is going to flip bullish? Well, like, let's see what happens to the daily, right? If the, if the dailies switch bullish this week and then don't just crap out the next day, right? Cause that's kind of what's been happening. Um, then, then yeah, I would, I would look for the weekly to turn b- bullish and then I would, um, I would still be patient and like have a bunch of my money in, in stable coins. And then, you know, as soon as that monthly flips neutral, um, again, that's when I would start dollar cost averaging in and, you know, maybe put in a small bid right now is fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, we're going, we're going to the right. And, um, what it means when we're going to the right is not that the prices aren't going to move. It means that we're going to trade within the range of the support and resistance that we give on the cheat sheet. So for Ethereum, I don't see it going, you know, cheat sheet doesn't see it going below 1350 in the worst case scenario. The monthly supports at 1500 and the daily supports at 1773 and we're, we're holding that. So, um, you know, but then the resistance is really close to the current price at 1862. So, um, I just feel like what we're just, yeah, in a holding pattern, kind of like I was talking about earlier when I was, when I was discussing Bitcoin. So are you making trades regularly in this or are you still waiting for better? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, um, well, okay. So first of all, my, you know, my account got like just destroyed over the last six months from, um, it's kind of funny. It was like, death by a thousand cuts like you know um we had we'd had a pretty big december everything sold off i actually did really well there getting out of my positions and stuff and then um you know took small stabs at things over the last six months and every single one of them has just been like terrible from you know hacks of of terra or the whole you know mim uh frog nation fiasco and then just you know the prices did another um down downshift after that so what i've been doing is trading uh in small amounts on gmx with really high leverage um and just trading the range and it's been going pretty well actually um the you basically just buying at you know 28.5k and selling at 30k um it's not really you know again you could be dollar cost averaging in the same way but yeah with like really high leverage um those trades are you know i guess they call that like scalping but in my mind, it's like more like swing trading because the range is so um, tight right now that it like looks like a scalp, but it's it takes a little bit of time to play out. And that's been this whole like barding thing that's been going on. Like these have just been so easy to trade. I mean, you just look for the price to go up dramatically or down dramatically and then go to the right for a similar length of time and then just you know bet that it's going to go back to where it came back from. And that's just worked over and over and over. And um Part of why I feel like we're going to go up is the last bar um, got front run. Like the, um, it had a fake out sell off, which I have not seen a Bart do that in I don't know six months or something like that. Um, was this the one on like Sunday night where it went up and then it was just like the next morning gone? No, that was that was a Bart. That was like a classic Bart. This was um, this was two nights ago, I think, um, and it. It, yeah, so it 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 went back up from that Sunday sell off, and then it started looking like it was going to bar again, and then it did this like crazy thing where it sold all the way down to the bottom of you know the, where where it came up from, and then went back up all in a five minute candle. So um, yeah, I don't know that that just to me made me think okay, these buyers are very impatient now. Yeah, this is why I mean 
I do not enjoy like the times when I've done high leverage trading on GMX, just the feeling of when you're in a trade and you see that candle just growing and growing and growing and it's going against you. I just, I don't know something about that. It's like being on a roller coaster or something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's paralyzing, right? It, um, yeah, it sort of makes it hard. Like maybe if you, even if you had a plan, it makes it hard to execute on that plan because there's all this uncertainty and the price is moving way faster than uh, you had expected. I mean, I think it's a good, um, you know, I, I never traded uh, above two X leverage before I got on GMX. So, you know, I lost, I lost a little bit of money um, putting on stupid trades. Um, but, you know, I think it's actually a really good um, exercise to, you know, if you, if you have the money um, to afford it, um, to just go put on like some really high leverage trades so that you can just see um, what's going on in the market. Cause there are people that are very successful, um, you know, scalpers and stuff like that. at just like, putting on a 20 X long and getting out and a few hours later and then calling it quits for a week or whatever, you know? Yeah. I'm more of like a consider myself a long-term investor, but it's been getting shorter and shorter term. But one trade that I've been, uh, I put on in the past week is buying uh, Nvidia puts, which are dated to expire in like December, just on the idea that okay, Ethereum merge is probably going to happen over the summer. There was a successful testnet merge in this past week, a day or two ago. It seems like August is the is the time. And there have been rumblings that, you know, how much NVIDIA is levered to the sale of mining uh, graphics cards, right? And is this fully priced in? So like, number one, you have the just general like tightening and tech slowdown. Um, tech getting crushed by the by the rate environment, but then number two, you have this catalyst of the the uh, proof of stake. All of these graphics cards that were being used to mine Ethereum are going to hit eBay. People are not going to be buying new ones, and the SEC, in, in fact, like sent a is investigating or doing something to Nvidia that said that like they were not disclosing the the risks to the company uh, of these of the of the exposure to crypto so i just think like with those two things it's kind of like when bitcoin did its run in um what is it 2020 when it went from like 10k to like 30k like that was the halving cycle that wasn't really priced in so like there i don't know like i i, I do think that there is this material drop off that is not fully priced in even though people have been talking about it in some kind of corners of uh, crypto twitter yeah I, I don't know. I mean, it's, there's just so much, um, for me, it's just like, where, where does it end from the, from just like the news cycle depression? Cause I just think it's so easy, right? Like as soon as everybody starts feeling a little bit happier and better and wealthier and whatever, then they're going to go out and start buying stocks and crypto, you know, whatever again. I mean, no, no normal person, trades commodities which is why you know boomer's been so big at you know trying to let us know that there's trade there because um you know i don't i don't think there's a lot of people that are like oh i'm gonna go buy you know futures contracts on barrels of oil or whatever even though that was like the best thing that you possibly could have done um to save your money um uh, yeah i'm um i don't know i'm i'm really in like a sit and wait and watch sort of state right now and um 
but you know, of course, to do, this trade has nothing to do with people buying crypto or not. It has to do with the merge. So Ethereum in this situation could go out to 5K. Yeah, that's right? what I'm saying. It's just there's all this news and like the news doesn't seem to be doing anything to the price. Like, I don't, you know, okay, the merge, maybe, I mean, a little bit like um, I noticed today that the Ethereum Bitcoin ratio like caught a bounce, right? But like, Every single bounce has just resulted in another sell-off. So I don't know. I don't think the merge has anything. I like your idea, though, that it's going to take away NVIDIA's um, aspect in crypto, right? But at the same time, like, can't all those people mine Bitcoin instead of mining Ethereum? Not with NVIDIA graphics cards. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You have to get like the ASICs or whatever. Um, NVIDIA, NVIDIA graphics cards can be used to mine, I guess, like Ethereum Classic. I think we've talked about this, right? Like they could they could switch those to Ethereum Classic, but there's just not the market there, right? So everyone who, like if you go on YouTube and look at people who are showing off their Ethereum mining rigs, and I've been watching videos like this, right? Like they... I think could put some of their hash power into these like pools that mine other stuff, but there is no guarantee that's going to be as profitable. They could just roll over and get ASICs, um, or but I think at the margin, it's definitely going to be people getting out of mining with these uh, Nvidia cards. Interesting. I haven't even looked at the. Let me just look at the stock. I haven't looked at it in forever. Um... Well, I mean, yesterday would have been a great short. <laughs> um, yeah, it certainly looks like it wants to give up the ghost. I mean, the I, I would I would think that it tries to find support somewhere around 130 bucks, and what it's at 181, so that's that's a pretty decent short. Um, uh, yeah, I I don't know about like the Ethereum narrative being the driver as much as the fact that the thing's up 408% in the last five years. Um, yeah, I, I would say um, long Ethereum short NVIDIA is is, a, is an interesting trade. Well, there you have it. I'm short NVIDIA. Yeah. I think I need it to get to like, I think I'm in the money at like 170. So I think we get there. You bought, you bought puts that you bought in, the, you bought out, yeah, of, the, bought out of the money. Out of the money. Yeah, I need it to be. Yep. I mean, I think that's a pretty, I mean, considering like the state of the market and everything. um, Yeah, I I mean, I feel like naked, naked shorting right now to me just sounds dangerous because we're so far down. Um, But I think, I don't know, I've really liked this idea of buying spot with a small short on. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, because... Because the short, the, the thing is, is like all the ways to get short, except for actually going and borrowing stock, um, are going to come with leverage, right? So you just need to be be aware of, of the leverage that you have. Like, you know, for instance, like a put at 170 out of the money, that's like <laughs> it's like 30x leverage or something like that, um, depending on the the time frame of the move. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a good idea. I like it. I, I like that trade. Let's talk about DeFi. What are you doing in DeFi? Are you anything besides gmx are you farming anything are you uh doing any um uh, the balancer shit coining balancer well so for, for people that don't know um you know the the main sort of unique way is to provide liquidity in uh DeFi. you know putting your coins up so other people can trade them is curve which is 
focused on stable liquidity, though they do offer, um, you know, liquidity that moves, for instance, like Ethereum USD or Bitcoin Ethereum or something like that. But it's it's famous for being able to pair stable coins like Tether and, and USDC and DAI against each other because it allows for really efficient swapping between them where you don't lose um, on, on uh, slippage. So then there's UniV3, which is also... Uh, you know, pretty revolutionary in reducing slippage by creating these um, concentrated areas of liquidity. It allows the user to pick a range that they want to provide liquidity. And then there's Balancer. Um, and Balancer is more of like a portfolio management tool in my in my mind, even though it allows for swapping. Um, what it does is like you can create these pools that are multiple assets, like for instance, like Ethereum, um, Bitcoin, and you know, USDC or something, and you say, okay, this pool is going to stay at um, 50% USDC, 25% Ethereum, and 25% um, Bitcoin. And then the the algorithm uh, adjusts the prices so that it makes it um, where the market is incentivized to, you know, sell the Ethereum into the pool when, when it's overpriced or buy the Bitcoin when it's underpriced, that sort of thing. So um, Balancer is about to launch this thing called Aura, um, which I'll spare everyone the details of that. If they want to um, go, you know, Google Aura Balancer, they can read all the details. It's just another layer on top of Balancer that will um, create, you know, sort of rewards for uh, people that are providing liquidity. Um, similar, if, if you're familiar with the Convex ecosystem to like how Convex works on top of Curve, um, this is sort of just another layer of, of incentives that you put so that people will come in and, and provide liquidity. So I've been hyper-focused on that ecosystem. There has been a lot of exciting movements going on. Um, I don't know if the trade will work anymore. Uh, let me pull up a chart. But there's this token called Cream, which we've talked about a little bit. And um, I am by no means uh, bullish on this token, but there is a there is a wallet that owns a lot of cream um, that is bribing for cream on balancer. So in my mind, if it's probably too late, I mean, go look at what the price is, go check the price out after listening to this podcast. But um, in my mind, basically you're just sort of like follow trading this, this huge whale that now wants to pump their cream bags and they're doing it by incentivizing liquidity on balancer. So um yeah, I took a small stab at that um, last night, and it's in profit, and it's it's tiny position, but I'll hold it until uh, I see. You know what what I'm looking at for the sign to exit the trade is in uh, nine days from when we're recording this podcast, which is uh, June 9th. Um, the balancer votes will switch again, and so I think that that either nine days from now or 19 days from now, um, this person will start selling some of their cream. And so I think that would be the end of the trade. So that, that's a, I've never I've never put on a, I think people that use Nansen um, trade like this, I've, this is the first time I've ever tried a trade like this where I found a, an Ethereum wallet that's behaving in a certain way and I'm going to try and front run them basically. Um, it, it, it probably will fail miserably, but I'm, I'm going to try it out for fun. Yeah, I'm in the exact same trade. Yeah, well, we, I mean, if you, if anybody's hanging out in the Badger Discord, um, I mean, as like late last night, I posted it publicly that, you know, we saw this, this thing moving around and then, um, yeah, just a couple of the, 
you know, we've we've been making plays at Badger, um, putting liquidity in the balancer. So we noticed, um, you know, okay, there's this huge whale that's moving balancer around. So I thought I thought it was pretty obvious. I, again, I think maybe the trade's over. Uh, maybe maybe we should just be selling right now. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll hold on to it for nine days and see what happens. Well, the trade is that number one, um, this guy is this wallet is voting for rewards to the cream pool. So it's going to have something like 200% APY for the next week or two. And then because of that idea is that like, okay, people will want to buy cream to deposit in this pool to capture that APY. So at least, you know, yeah. yeah. And then we, we looked on, there's some we looked upside over the next week. And this wallet holds a ton of cream. So, I mean, you know, that's why they're, that's why they're providing liquidity and they didn't buy the cream like yesterday. They bought it a long time ago. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, maybe they're bullish on cream long term and they're just going to try and farm some balance or whatever. But um, I mean, they're certainly playing it in a very smart and clever way because they, you know, um, a lot, you know, if a lot of us that don't have a lot of size, like, OK, you buy cream a year ago and it, it's not doing so well. Well, what do you do? Well, they're not selling it. They're pumping it with <laughs> liquidity with with another token they own which is is kind of cool it's like a the way DeFi works like that where you can you know if you if you play it right and you put all the tokens together in the right way and use all the protocols the right way you can make a lot of money and the most outrageous version of this was the batman spider-man story i don't know if we talked about this but like are you did oh we've never talked about it go for it yeah yeah this is okay yeah so there was um th there's this idea of like yield in DeFi is created or is is directed by the token holders to different pools, right? And so there's this problem where if you are voting for, like you want to vote for yield towards a pool that contains assets that you like and hold um, to, to earn more on those. But like the problem is that if, you know, you, you don't own a lot of that pool, then other people in that pool are getting that yield, right? So like the solution to this that this person created was to make two tokens and of course anyone can like create their own token with a few lines of code one token was batman and the other token was called spider-man and these were just tokens that you know you can create and you own a hundred percent of them in your wallet and normally there's like a process to get tokens whitelisted white for rewards but this uh, solidly uh was kind of like a little bit half-baked in some areas and didn't have any kind of gatekeeping for what tokens could be uh, whitelisted for awards. So this person created two tokens out of thin air and then bought a bunch of uh, of the you know, voting token and just voted for all the rewards to go to these pools that were worthless, but he owned 100% of, of both tokens. So it was like, you know, and the ROI for that was positive. Like if you're have a hundred dollars, you can vote for like $200 of rewards or something. So right. you're basically just like creating out of thin air. Then he was dumping all the rewards onto the market as soon as he got them. <laughs> so then, yeah, the, the, uh, the risk that he was taking is he bought the, the token and then he was selling the token that he bought. So, um, yeah, it was a, you know, it, it played out in short term. I wonder, it would be interesting somebody to go do some on-chain investigation and see if the dude actually made any money because you know um this was we had talked about this and uh, we you know we were following in our discord and i mean pretty excited about it and you know whatever the way it went down was not 
not nice, but um, yeah, solidly launched on Phantom and uh, we are following this whole thing and it, it really collapsed like pretty bad. Um, the you know, people were very upset. This was the whole thing when Andre um, left, you know, or I guess fake left DeFi because he's back now. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so much innovation happening. It's fun. It was like uh, there's some sarcastic tweet, like every time uh, there's a big hack or like money losing incident, it's another this is innovation happening right between our eyes before our eyes right every every uh yeah yeah this is innovation every wormhole hack is just one you know innovation happening one wrecked article at a time oh did you see um zach xbt tweeted that he was like coming after it like it was a cool tweet with like a picture of his avatar shooting a gun at someone and said i think it was like june 19th or something like that that he's or june 16th that there's some banger article coming out there that'll be interesting um you always wonder who's doing bad things in crypto i mean we're definitely in like you know the sacrificial lamb season right like everyone's going after doquan you know and in some cases like there there are clear excesses in the market and bull market but like it seems like every week it's just a new drama and victim and uh or villain of the day yeah who said that or where did i see that i was like you don't want to be the main character in the in the crypto uh, oh yeah that was that year. was kobe oh, yeah, yeah right kobe, like you always want to be like a supporting character all right what else oh so like as i've been getting into this like dgen options trading or uh carefully considered options trading i was playing with this app called um unusual whales have you ever looked at that no, I've never heard of it. So it is a, it's basically like Nansen. It's it's interesting. It's basically like giving you data that in DeFi would be like completely open, but like because it's TradFi, it's all this um, proprietary options flow data. So it's an app that has every options trade that's made throughout the day. And you can see... Um, the idea is like you can watch tickers and see unusual spikes in the options of volume ahead of like presumably, you know, insider trading, right? So like they don't say it in so many words, but like if there was, for example, like a really good or really negative earnings uh, and someone knows about it and buys options the day before, this will flag it for you, right? So you can just find some kind of like interesting, uh, like massive massive options trades that are out of profile um through through um through this so it's a little bit like nanseny it's a little bit finding data that like indie fire kind of like used to seeing but i don't think the exchanges i don't know it would be like the, the the equivalent of like being able to see the order flow of like ftx when people are going with like high leverage yeah yeah so it's, on it's, chain, uh, it's pretty interesting tool basically. yeah right 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 yeah i um I, I think all the same, you know, there's this website that I like to look at. It's called Okotoki. <laughs> o, yeah, O-K-O-T-O-K-I.com. And the, um, on the free version, you can look at Bitcoin's order book from Coinbase, Bitstamp, Binance, and BitMEX all next to each other. And um, I don't know how useful this is for trading. There are people on crypto Twitter that are famous for order book trading. Um, but it, I like to use this as just like a secondary tool, um, especially when markets are moving around a lot. Like, so for instance, right now um, on Coinbase, the 
where the liquidity starts to peak on uh, the first time it starts to to peak on the buy side is at 29,830 and on the sell side it's at 30,080. So kind of just gives you a little bit of an idea um where the price could catch us a bounce in the short term. The problem is all those people that are, you know, trading in large size that put those orders up, they also cancel those or, you know, cause this isn't, um, it, it, I mean, even the stock market, you can still do this in commodities or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think boomer was talking about it, like spoofing basically, uh, which spoofing orders, yeah, 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 which is, you know, illegal in, in TradFi. Um, but you know, I guess on Binance or BitMEX, like or Bitstamp, you can just do whatever the hell you want. And I have no idea if Coinbase is, you know, has any legitimate flow or if it, it's just them making their own market. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't really like to, you know, like just now as we were talking, like this fifty Bitcoin just disappeared before the price even gotten close to it. You know, so um, I don't know. It's it's interesting. If you want to go look about look at market structure, it's interesting. I don't know how you trade it. Again, like I said, there's some people that do it and aren't claimed to be successful. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm just looking each day after market close. I'll spend like 20 minutes and just open it and see, look for like large trade, large options trades, either bullish or bearish on kind of like small companies and then just see, okay, Hey, are, is there like earnings coming up or is there some kind of news that's about to hit one way or the other? And then the second way that I'm doing it is just companies that I own in my own portfolio, set up alerts on them. So like, especially like this Nvidia trade that I have options on, like you can go see, all right, is there net bullish or bearish options positions? Are there any unusually large trades going one way or the other? So you can kind of use it as a, like a confirmation or something like another data point to go into your decision making. Yeah, I like that. I think um, it's kind of funny, you know, uh, sometimes I like to watch like Bloomberg TV or CNBC, like, you know, because I'm lonely and I want somebody else in the room. Um, And there was just before this recent stock sell off, like, you know, they talked about this trader that had put on this like huge TLT position. Um, and it actually like played out <laughs> like, I don't know. I just feel like most of the things they say on there are just kind of like, you know, bullshit or entertainment or whatever. And then I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. He put on this like $2 million options position. It's like, okay, well, I guess, you know, every once in a while you, you see somebody come through and it's like, okay, well, that's actually where the market's going. Yeah. And there was an, so unusual whales also, they have a good uh, Twitter game. So like whenever there's a big news event, they they'll go and look and see the options flow beforehand. So for example, there was that um, story about Elon Musk and like propositioning the flight attendant or something. And sure enough, like the day before there was a massive put option bought like super short term on Tesla. So like, I don't know, just interesting. It's kind of like gives you another window into shit that's going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I think like over a certain size, then you're like, okay, well, who the fuck is this guy? But then, you know, it's like, okay, well, if you just, if the volume spikes and it's a whole bunch of small size and that sort of thing, I don't know. I don't know if I would trust that. Um, but anyways, I do think it's right. Good, no, it's this will tell you, this point. will be like, this gives you every trade. So you can say like, I'm looking for, like, if you, if you look at a company and you, you're like, okay, like here's like a 5k options trade, here's a 10k options trade. And then suddenly there's a $2 million option transaction. 
is that yeah exactly that sounds like a signal to me <laughs> yeah um i wish boomer was here because i, I want to ask him if he thinks uh the twitter transaction with uh elon musk is, is going to go through because i was thinking about uh buying some twitter because i don't know i've been been following this a little bit and like basically he's locked into buying it unless he can absolutely wriggle his way out or negotiate it down yeah yeah i've uh, it's starting to be uh i've heard a couple of people talking about it and i guess from what i've heard is that the order has to go through in the way that it's structured um but yeah i mean people are also talking about like okay well if tesla gets cut in half from here <laughs> the whole thing blows up if he can't right so twitter today is trading at 39.56 the deal price is like 56 so that's pretty pretty juicy upside yeah. if it closes yeah and i also heard and they can sue him and like force them to do it i also heard an opinion that like oh well since the market isn't responding to his deal then you know it's a bad deal or something you know so i don't know i think um uh, i don't know i think the markets are definitely like me and boomer both agree like that the markets are not rational and and there's no such thing as the efficient market hypothesis so uh, the deal could go through and Twitter could jump 20% in a day, you know. This is the Elon reality distortion field. Yeah, exactly. Cutting uh, <laughs> $15 or $16 off. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, back to unusual whales. So I'm interested in energy. I'm looking at energy plays. And there's one company I've had an eye on for a long time, uh, BWX Technologies, which makes, um, I posted something in the Foot Guns Discord about it this morning. They make uh, nuclear reactors for the U.S. Navy, so they have these super long-term, you know, multi-decade contracts to like put fuel in submarines and stuff, and and do maintenance on the on the reactors. So they just this morning announced a that they had won this Pentagon contract for these small modular nuclear reactors, and that's kind of like one of these areas of technology that have always been on the horizon, but have had like cost problems or always seen as just like a little bit too sci-fi. But I don't know if we're entering this Mad Max world of like uh, energy shortages and if we're in like a $200 oil world, this seems like the kind of thing that like people have a holy shit moment and say like, we, we need to throw money at this and like make this happen now. Cause I don't think there's any reason why this technology can't happen. It's just something that's expensive and has to like, get fully baked and, and rolled out, right? And these companies need to get guarantees and stuff. So this news... When did you uh, pick this up? This new... Well, they, they've... they I've had this like long-term kind of like stock watch list and this has been a very sleepy company. Like they have not gone up that much. But um, I just... For some reason, they popped into my mind. I was looking at them this morning and they had this piece of news come out. And so I looked at the options flow and like, yep, there was like a nice little out of profile buy the night before um, or the day before this, this news came out. So, yeah, it looks like it's, it looks like it's wants to break out from a five year consolidation. So, okay, I'll buy this. The stock market's closed right now, but um, yeah, I mean, think about it, right? They have the downside is that they keep doing their Navy contracts that they're not going to lose because they, Navy needs to buy reactors for their shit, right? And then the upside call option is this modular nuclear. And they're one of the few companies that actually build these things. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. So it, it put in three peaks, April 20th, 2018, 
February 21st, 2020, and April 9th, 2021. And it's making this like, I mean, the, you know, the thing about technical analysis is like, you know, everyone's like, oh, it doesn't work. Well, it's like, well, when you see a pattern on a five-year chart, like, it's just like, okay. <laughs> like, is it going to break out tomorrow? Probably not. Is it going to break out sometime in the next year? Probably. It lo- I mean, it looks to me like um, it's ready to go and, and make an all-time high. So that would be uh, where we at now. We're at 54 and the all-time high was at 70. So that's, that's a pretty, like, if you just want to bet on it making a, retracing the high then uh, that's a, that's a pretty decent trade i think all right well on that note wasabi alpha i think we got to uh unless you have anything else to go over we can leave it there i think uh, uh i think uh, i think it's pretty good you know what the crypto's down um go look for some nice stock picks maybe short nvidia maybe uh you know i, I think i would prefer being short nvidia over short ethereum i, I think that's that's the that's the lesson from this podcast. <laughs> All right, I think uh, Boomer is probably uh, he's at the site of this uh, natural gas uh, explosion in California that happened. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Is that when was that? Oh, there the, uh, yesterday. So there was an explosion at an LNG terminal, I think, in California, and it tanked the price of natural gas like several percent just because that. You know, like there's this trade like LNG pumping right, uh, right. the U.S. natural gas price. Right, you can't, because... you can't move natural gas. The only the only way you can move natural gas is through a pipe that goes directly from where you got it out of the ground to where it is being serviced to, or you can liquefy it, which costs energy. So yeah, yeah, go ahead. Right. So if we're if they're so this thing is going to be shut for three weeks. So the U.S. is not going to export that LNG. Uh, natural gas gets cheaper in the U.S. for the short term, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'm looking for. I think this is going to be a good entry point. I want to get into one of these like lever, leveraged uh, natural gas ETFs. Yeah, I wish. So uh, I, I really wish Boomer's on here because uh, you know natural. That's a, that's early on how I learned to trade, which was um, uh, in in you know when when you have interactive brokers account, they give you a little. Um, a fake account where you can paper trade. And uh, the cool part about the paper trading on interactive brokers is you're paper trading against like real trades, um, which is, which is kind of nice for the actual experience of trading. And that's what I learned, you know, trying to buy natural gas features and holy shit, man, that thing just flies around in all kinds of different directions. Um, you know, they, they call it the widow maker because it just kills people. Are you still trading uh, natural gas? I haven't touched it in 10 years or something like that. All right. Well, Boomer, if you're listening, come on and uh, school us. Yeah. Yeah. Boomer, if you're still out there, come come on and talk to us. <laughs> All right, man. I will. Uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, sounds good. Have a good one. All right. Cheers.